these things, we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father, we thank you today. As we have sung, you are a wonderful Father. A wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Father. We thank you. You have declared in your word, which cannot be broken, that nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing can change the fact of your loyalty, your intimacy, the union and the relationship that we have with you. Circumstance will come and go, but your love will remain after all of the trouble and all of the difficulties have come and tried to have their way, your love wins the day every time. And Lord, today, together in this place, for a moment, we take this moment to reflect on how your love has always prevailed in the highs and the lows, in the difficult times, in the great high times, your love has always prevailed. Thank you, the hand of your love is on all of our lives, Lord, shaping our lives, holding our lives, making our lives. Your love, your love, because we are the objects of your love. Beauty will come out of ashes because your love is vented on us, not your judgment. Because you have vented your love completely on us through Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we are brand new created in Christ. Your love has its way. And because of that reason, all things have to pass away. They have to go. Even the habits that hold on to us today that we may be ashamed of, even the habits that we may want to try and get rid of, and we've tried a thousand times, and they seem to have a vice-like grip around our lives. Lord says to you, don't worry. Don't worry. Love will have its way. <laughs> don't worry, church. Don't worry, child of God. Don't be guilty or condemned because of old patterns of life that won't let you go, that hang around, and you've told them to go, and you've tried to discipline yourself. you tried to pray your way out of it, and it's got you. It's fastened, and it seems so entrenched. God says, you don't worry about it. Love will have its way. And before you know it, those things that seem so fastened on your life will be gone and they just won't be able to hang around because love, this love that we can't separate ourselves from will just have its way. And freedom and beauty and newness of life will step into all of the things that have been old and broken. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. You're a good, good father. Perfect. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus. Yeah, let's clap and let's shout. He is wonderful. Fantastic. You may be seated. Wonderful. Let's give our musicians a big cheer and a shout and a clap too. Wonderful. Well, we're having a great morning again this morning together. And um, I want to continue this morning looking at 
what we looked at before Pastor Ray spoke last week. Didn't Pastor Ray deliver an awesome word to us? I'm telling you now that, it, that so many people have, have just mentioned how it was such a timely word for their lives. So if you weren't here, just encourage you to listen to the podcast. Uh, just, just download it, listen to it, watch it if you want to. But it was a wonderful, wonderful word. I want to continue um, just really as well in um, just the same theme that, that uh, he was directing us in by looking at Joseph. We're going to continue there. I want to open just by reading one verse from Genesis chapter 37 regarding Joseph's life. We've referred to this verse a little, but I want to unpack it in, in a way this morning that applies to us as people, unpack it in a way that may be relevant to where you are or where you've been uh, just over the last past years. It says this, Genesis 37 verse 3, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic or a coat of many colors. Me too. Fantastic. Jacob, Jacob gave Joseph a coat of many colors it was a sign and a symbol of his love and his favor on his life. Jacob had sons, but Joseph was the apple of his eye. And he loved him in a, in, in a way that was, that was different. Some people have said that, you know, he was biased and what he did wasn't right. But in this passage of scripture, we see that Jacob gave Joseph a coat of many colors, and it was a sign of his favor, a sign of his life, and it spoke of his future in some ways. It was a sign that his father had plans for him, and, J and Joseph knew it. Everything was being set up for Joseph by his father, Jacob, behind the scenes, but the visible sign of it all was what he wore, the coat of many colors. Can I say to you, God has given you a coat of many colors because he loves you, because he loves you. I want you to think about this and I want you to hold this thought for a moment, but could it be that that coat of many colors is life itself? life itself. God has given you a coat because he loves you. Could it be that that coat of many colors that God has endowed you with is life itself? Do you know, I was thinking about this and my mind just went back to a time where I would often on a Saturday morning wake up early while the kids would wake me up early. I wouldn't by choice wake up early, but they'd run into the bedroom screaming, Daddy, Daddy, let's go downstairs and paint pictures. We'd get downstairs, the arts and crafts box would come out on the table, the table would be covered with paper, and the children would begin to paint. Now, if you've got kids and um, you've ever allowed them to paint in your house, you'll know that they never just contain their paint and their art to the page. No, they're kids. They're not going to do that. They're not just going to contain their colors to the page. The lines of the page are too much of a restriction. So, yes, they do use the paper, but they go beyond the lines of the page, don't they? They paint on the table, but they don't want to just keep the picture to the table. They want to use the floor too and the walls. We've got many testimonies of this in our home, in the history of our home. Children just don't want to paint on a page. They want to use the table. They want to use the floor. In fact, they want to use any and every surface, including their own bodies and my body too. I've often had my face painted and not even with face paint, with the real McCoy I'm talking. Hair paint, body paint, everything painted. Toenails painted, fingers painted, lipstick on. I've done it all. They like painting. They love painting. They really do. 
But what I noticed one day, and I, I thought it was really interesting, was this. They were only ever using the brightest colors. And um, all the dark colors were full, never used, never even opened. They would never even reach to take hold of one to use it on the page, on the picture. They only ever wanted to use the brightest colors, the luminous colors, the fluorescent colors, the, the, the bright reds, the yellows, the, the, the greens, and all of the colors that were bright and all of the colors that you would notice, that you would think, wow, isn't that picture so colorful and so bright, wonderful. And I asked him one day, I said, why do you only ever use the bright colors, the nice greens and the nice reds and, you know, the, the luminous fluorescent yellows? Why is it that you only ever reach for them? Why is it that we have got a, a craft box teeming full of blacks and grays and browns and all of those other colors? Why don't you use them? Why are they in the box unopened? And they looked at me as if I was stupid, like they look at you as if you're stupid. And we've got to continually remind ourselves we're not stupid. They said, Dad, they're the ugly colors. We don't want to use ugly colors on our picture. They're not the exciting colors. We don't want to use the blacks, the grays, and the browns. When we're painting our picture, they're ugly colors. They're boring colors. Wow. Interesting. A number of years ago, after that little conversation on a Saturday morning with my children, Faye and I were in London. And we went to uh, the National Art Gallery in Trafalgar Square. You may have been there in, or in the Trafalgar area. It's just off Trafalgar Square. We walked around, and to my amazement, none of my children's pictures were hanging on the wall. I couldn't believe it. Had they made a great mistake? But as we, do you know what? As we walked around and we looked at these works of art, littered right across the gallery, Painted by masters, both, both men and women. What I saw was not just pictures that were brightly colored. Not just works of art, masterpieces in every sense of the word. Not just brightly lit with the luminous colors. The reds and the, the, the fluorescent yellows and, and greens. I saw works of art where artists had used every conceivable color. They'd mixed every bright color with every dark color and bled it all together to bring forth masterpieces famous the world over, famous through time and history. And I began to think about that. I began to think about the, you know, the the extremes of a, of a child's mind and, and the, 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 the mind of a master and how they're worlds apart. The bright colors of a child that can't see any positivity in something dark coming on the page to the mind of a master that uses all of the colors available to him in his palette, skillfully painting his masterpiece of life. I began to think about how often in life we only ever want to use the bright colors. How as people we only ever want to report about the great events, the fluorescent events, the bright events, the great news, the great report that's happening to us in our lives as it progresses and as it goes forward down the road of life. How we only ever want to report about the wonderful headlines. But the details, the black and white details that stand off the page, that look bleak, that look dark, that, that sometimes look troubling, evil and horrendous. Sometimes we don't want to use that as the headlines of our life because we feel as if people will look down on us, scowl at us 
and say, well, that's what you deserve anyway. But if we go around this room and if we are true to ourselves today, we can honestly look back on life and reflect and say, do you know what? We can see the bright colors. We can see the fluorescent colors. We can see the wonderful, magnificent colors that the hand of God has used on the canvas of our life. But we have to be true to ourselves. We would be able to say there has been times where the blacks and the grays and the beiges and the browns have painted on the canvas of our life. And we have not wanted it, but it's there nonetheless. God uses all of the colors of life to create this wonderful masterpiece called life itself. God never limits himself to just the bright fluorescent colors. He takes the ugly, evil, black, dark sins of our life. He takes those awful hurts and he crafts them and he uses them and he weaves them. Nothing is wasted with God. He uses everything that's available to him on the palette of life. It's called circumstance itself. I wonder what brush stroke has gone across the canvas of your life today or last week or last year. Was it a bright, sparkling stroke that made everybody look on and say, wow, that's incredible. You're so favored. You're prospering. You're walking under divine blessing. Wonderful if it was. We rejoice with you. Or was it the color of a habit that you can't get rid of? Was it the color of an addiction that you've tried to rid yourself of? Was it the color and the stroke of a, of a pressing thought that you've tried to get out of your mind but it keeps coming back? Was it the ugly black fear again coming across the canvas of your life and having its way in an uncontrolled way whereby you just can't understand why it's so chaotic and so disorderly and it seems as if it's spoiling the picture. It seems as if there's not a master hand holding the brush. It seems out of control. It seems chaotic. It seems as if God would never allow. No, God will allow it. God will use it. Oh, we could look through the Bible from cover to cover and see how God has used sin. He doesn't tempt anybody with evil. He doesn't ever, ever try to get any single one of us to sin. But I tell you something now. When he goes through the wreckage and the rubble, and when he, when he goes into the blackness of, of, of our life experience, he will use it for his good and for his glory. He really will. He's a genius at it. He's a genius at turning evil on its head. He's a genius. He's a sovereign power. He's all wise. He's glorious. He's infinite in knowledge. He's past finding out he can do the most remarkable things when we think that everything is destroyed. He says, your destruction is destiny in my hand. Wonderful. He's incredible. He really is. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. The New Living Translation, Paul, the apostle, puts it like this. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he's planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece. Your life is not a series of chances and a series of circumstances that seem uncontrolled. Your life is a masterpiece. Your life is a masterpiece. It's God's masterpiece. It's God's canvas. And no matter what color is being painted on the canvas of your life, irrespective of it it's a masterpiece and we have to know that God will use the bright colors the dark colors and he will blend them and bleed them all together so that in time we will stand back and we will be amazed because when when you just use one color the bright colors and you don't use that universal palette 
of paint that's available to you, it will never become anything of value, anything of worth. God uses it all. He uses it all. He uses the joy of a wedding day. But he can also use the destruction of a divorce for his glory. He can use the wonderful purity of a life that that seems so spotless. But he can also use a life that has been plunged into immorality and horrendous sinfulness. He can use it all. He uses all of the colors of life. All of the colors of experience. He can use a wonderful home that never seems to have any problems with children growing up in it. With a mother and a father that always love each other and, and communicate that love to their children so they have a confidence in life. He can use the colors of a home that seems so complete. But he can use a home that is broken, abandoned, where a father is a drunkard, where a mother's just gone off and shot off somewhere. He can use every color of life. He can use every circumstance. Let the Let let not the devil have his way. Let not the devil bring us down. It doesn't matter what stroke has gone across your life. What color has been painted on the canvas of your life. I tell you now, in the hands of Jesus, you're a masterpiece. You really are. Woo! He's wonderful. He's glorious. Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And that is why James, in James chapter 1, he he sees life from a different perspective. He sees God's hand using all of the colors of life, the bright colors, the dark colors. And he sees it all. And he says, I count it joy when I fall into trouble. I count it joy when I fall into fierce trials and terrible temptations. I count it joy because it's producing something within me. Something is being painted on the canvas canvas of my life that is going to reflect after time and after it all is going to reflect the beauty of a nature that is perfect that is only found in Christ Jesus. God uses it. He uses it. Don't be discouraged. Don't be condemned. Don't be mystified or confused by life as we sometimes are. He uses it. We are his masterpiece. Look at the canvas of King David's life. Look at the, the many-colored coat that was bestowed on this young shepherd boy who was relegated to the backside of a field and rejected by his father whilst his seven other brothers had favor and they met the prophet. Look at the many-colored coat that was vested on that young man at such a young age. He writes about it at the end of his life when he's an old king. He looks back down the corridor of time and he looks at his life and he reflects and he sees wonderful color, a wonderful masterpiece. He looks At the trouble, he looks at the abandonment, he looks at the times of confusion and the times of not knowing what to do as a dad because his son had risen up in rebellion and against him and turned a whole kingdom against its king. He must have looked at the time when he slew a giant Goliath and the color was bright and his name was in lights and then suddenly brought to nothing by a jealous king and chased out as a young man left abandoned in a desert running for his life for years he must have looked and reflected on it all as he wrote Psalm 23 it's a picture with color it's a masterpiece a glorious masterpiece in a few verses and it starts bright The Lord is my shepherd. It's the brightest color when you see and understand and recognize the Lord is my shepherd. What a bright color to start a picture with. I shall not want, I'll never lack anything. The brightest of colors David paints with as he looks back down the corridor of time as an old king. 
A man wearing a life of many colors. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it doesn't stop there. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The colors are there. The colors are bright. We love the bright colors. But then, colors start to change quickly. The color goes from bright to black. When he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Death was painted across the canvas of his life. God wouldn't use death, would he? God wouldn't use the shadow of death to come on such a bright kid, a, a, a conquering king, one who had prospered the, the, the Israelites like no other king, one who had an understanding of God through psalm and song like no other. God wouldn't use the shadow of death on such a brilliant life, on such a masterpiece, on such a wonderful canvas, would he? Yes. Yes. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. David is talking about a color change of life. A color change on the canvas that he couldn't understand, that he would have never have used. But he had to walk there. And he walked through. He feared no evil. But evil was on the canvas. Evil conspired against him many times. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And then he talks about the presence of his enemies, being in the presence of his enemies. You prepare a table before me. Imagine eating when you can hear in earshot people to conspire against your life. None of us like to be talked about in a negative way. None of us want to be in the presence of a hostile environment. But sometimes you, like I, have been in that hostile environment, whether it's in work, whether it's in your family, whether it's out there in life. It's a presence of your enemies, and it's an awful feeling. Because you, you feel on your back heels. You feel cornered. You don't know what to do. You don't know if what you're going to say is right or wrong because what you've said before has raised objections and brought conflict and landed you in confusion. You're in the presence of your enemies, but even there, there's color. Because God prepares a table. And you eat. God uses every form of color to, to, to formulate a picture, to formulate a wonderful masterpiece. And David saw it, understood it, went through it. We could refer to another man, great man in the Bible, a remarkable man. Job was his name. I don't know if you've ever read the life story of Job. But it's a very colorful experience if you ever do. Everything was going great for Job. He had a really colorful picture on the canvas of his life. He was extremely prosperous. He was probably one of the wealthiest men of his time. He had servants. He had land. He had houses. He had cattle. And then everything changed one day. The color suddenly turned from all the bright colors of favor, all the bright colors of blessing, all the, 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 the bright colors of fullness, and suddenly every, everything became bleak and dark in one moment. A messenger came to him and said, all your cattle's been destroyed. Then another messenger came while the first messenger was still speaking. And he talked about his, his, uh, his sheep being destroyed. Then a third messenger came and said, listen, your servants have been killed. The camels have been killed. All in the space of moments, it seems. And color after color was changing for Job as these messengers came. And then a fourth messenger came while the three messengers were there delivering terrible news, terrible colors. And he said, Job, your, 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 your sons and your daughters were in your eldest son's home. And the winds came and they ripped through the four corners of the house. And the house collapsed on all of your children. They're all dead, Job. Talk about a color change. The devil 
the adversary came onto the canvas of his life to test Job. The adversary, the devil, not God, came to test the steel and the metal of this man. Let me show you how he responded. Job chapter 1, verse 20, 22. Then Job arose, tore his robe and shaved his head and fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Job tore his clothes in the midst of pain, in the midst of terrific confusion, in the midst of destruction, and he fell on the floor and he worshipped God. It didn't matter whether God was using bright colors in Job's life or whether it went into the blackest, darkest colors unimaginable colors being painted on the canvas of his life. He fell on the floor and he worshipped God. And then as trial after trial came upon his physical body, he makes a statement that is remarkable. He says this, even though you slay me, God, I will praise you when you do it. What strength is that in a man's heart? Of course, God did not slay him. But that was the resilience and the tenacity and the strength of will within the spirit of this man to serve God amidst all of the variations of life, amidst all of the colors, whether they be black or bright. Irrespective of it all, he had a strength within his character. He had a power within his spirit that even if God slayed him himself, he would bless him and praise him as he did it. Amazing. You know, one thing that we must never lose, and Job had this, one thing we must never lose when the colors change in our lives is this heart of thanks. The colors may have been dark for you for a long time now. May have been black. Unfulfilled expectations, hopes that have been dashed, dreams that once lived that are now dead. The picture may have been bleak for a long time. Things that you wanted changed years ago that still remain the same and show no sign of changing. Disappointment leads to depression and oppression. Why? Not because we've got a problem, just because life is hard. Just because sometimes it's really difficult to live with a black spot or a black squibble across the canvas. But we must never lose our spirit of thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 to verse 18 says this. Rejoice always. When the colors are black, when everything seems gray, when every hope is gone, Paul, the apostle, an amazing, resilient man because God made him that way, he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And here it is. Here it is, church. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Our Lord, no matter what we're going through, no matter how we feel, it's easy to give thanks when the colors are bright. It's easy to give thanks when when they're saying, Saul has killed his hundreds, but David has killed his thousands. It's easy when you're the nation's champion to give thanks and to rejoice in the Lord always. It's easy to do it then, but when, when you're in a cave, hiding for your life, To do it then is really, really something. And that's what David did. He had this wonderful consistency of a heart that always drew its strength from God, no matter what the color was on the canvas of his life. Men and women, down through time, down through 
the scriptures, show us this wonderful resilience of spirit. And the Holy Spirit helps us. You know, some of us today, I believe many of us across this room, we've looked back on times where things have been tough, things have been hard, or even today where there's a black score across our lives. And yet we've come here and praised. We've sung. Oh yeah, we may not have been smiling while we've we've done it. Our heart may have been sorrowful. There may not have been a smile on our mouth. But we've done it. We've lifted our hands. We've praised our God. We've given thanks in everything. Even though our everything doesn't sort of seem to be orderly and perfect and the way that we would want it. But in everything, we've given thanks. I remember when Helen Abdullah at the back lost her son. How old was he, Helen? How old? 33 years of age. She lost her son. Do you know what she did? And I'm telling you now, people, I don't know how God does this, and I don't know how people can do this, because I have never, ever had to walk that road. And my God, I pray that I'd never have to. But that lady gave thanks to God in her sorrow when she lost her son at 33 years of age. And something happened in that moment in the spirit of that woman that she has had a joy that has never left her since that moment. I've seen it. I've seen it for years. We've all seen it. We've all heard it. Yoo-hoo! I'm telling you now. It's real stuff, people. It's real stuff, real testimonies. This isn't, you know, some fable. We've, we've got testimonies all around this room of this stuff working, of the Holy Spirit using all of the colors of life and bringing glory out of it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks because this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus. Pastor Ray spoke last week about the Apostle Paul and his life and all of the things that, that came into his life. All of the colors that were used to formulate the picture, the masterpiece of Paul's life. And Paul tells us as it is in 2 Corinthians Chapter 12, verse 7 to 10. He says this, Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, Paul said this, therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in need, in persecution. In distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. You look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and just at the beginning period of that, Paul talks about being taken up into heaven. He was referring to himself when he spoke about a man that he knew going to heaven. And he saw wonderful things. He saw glorious things. Could I say to you that that was one of the most brilliant moments of his life. One of the most brilliant colors used on the canvas, on the material of his life. Glorious encounter on the Damascus Road too where he met Christ in a light that was brighter than the sun. Incredible encounters, incredible visions, incredible, he speaks about it, incredible revelations from God where he had actual dialogue with Jesus Christ regarding 
the church and the New Testament and Scripture, and he wrote it as a result of being directly communicated to by Jesus. I tell you, that's pretty impressive. That's an amazing color on your life. But it didn't stay bright for Paul. Always. God used every kind of color. God used every kind of circumstance. In fact, Jesus told him about the colors that were to come when he met him on the Damascus road. He said, Paul, in time, I will show you all the things that you must suffer for my name's sake. Jesus said to Paul at the outset, he said, Paul, listen, your life is endowed with many colors. It's like a coat that's vested upon you. This apostleship that's come upon you. It's like a coat of many colors. It's got wonderful bright colors where you will go from nation to nation. Bringing the kingdom of God. Bringing churches and and spreading the gospel right across the globe. Into Europe. Paul, you're going to do marvelous things. You're going to take everything forward in, in, in the New Testament. In theology. In teaching. Wonderful bright color. But Paul, don't. Just think that I'm going to use the bright colors of your life. In that vested garment that you wear, there are dark colors. There are colors that you might not want to use, that I am going to use. And he said, in time I will show you all the things that you must suffer. I tell you now, suffering isn't a bright color that we would choose. It's not a fluorescent color that... My children used that morning on the page and on the table and down the floor and up the wall. It's a dark color, a black color, a a color that only God in his wisdom and in his sovereign purpose would use in the hardest times. Paul said, Lord, please, I can't take this color anymore. This color is beyond me. This color pierces my flesh. It's a minister from from Satan that's come to buffet me. I can't take it. I can't take this color. You've got to change the color on the canvas of my life. I can't take it. I don't want it. And he pleaded with the Lord three times and the Lord would not change the color. Stroke by stroke by stroke. And then suddenly, Paul begins to understand that what he was seeing as a dark color, as a black color, God showed him that it was the most brightest of colors because in his weakness, he was strong because that's where the sufficiency of God's grace would come to him and enable him to go through persecutions, sufferings, and troubles like no other. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to... We're going to close right here. Quick one this morning. Jacob gave Joseph a coat of many colors because he loved him. Many colors. Maybe if Joseph had have made the coat, it would have just been a coat of a few colors. The brightest colors. The luminous colors, the attractive colors, but Jacob, as an old man, you see, Joseph was the son of Jacob's old age. And you know what? Let me say it to you. We need to value the understanding and the wisdom of old people, of people, of people that are more experienced in life than us. There are people in this church that are, and I don't say this in a, in a, um, in a, bad, in a bad way, they, they are old people, they are older people. We must honor them. We must respect them for their wisdom. Why? Because they have gone through the many colors of life. They have seen the many colors of life displayed and how God has been faithful in it all and weaved his plan into it. Jacob gave Joseph a coat of many colors in his old age. A young father would have just 
succumbed to the will of his child and given him the brightest coat, the coat of a few colors. But an aged father, seeing all of the complexities of life and all of the movements of life, the rough and the smooth, the high and the low, the dark and the bright, gave his son a coat of many colors because of his old age. Yeah, it had the bright ones in. It had the bright dream of a kid, 17 years of age, who'd met God in his bedroom and told about the exaltation of a position that he would one day receive. It had all of the bright colors of a dreamer that was allowed to dream, that was excited and fired up by life because he'd met God in a moment and understood his destiny. It had all of those colors, but it also had, as you know, the dark black colors of hatred, betrayal, abandonment. That coat was taken off Joseph and a, another coat was sprayed across it. The blood of an animal, the sign of death taken to his father as a mark of deception to show that Joseph had died. The coat had many colors. He went to a pit and felt rejected. He was sold into slavery, into Egypt. Colors! Colors, many colors, not one color. You ain't staying in Father's house, son. My purpose and my destiny is far beyond that. Many colors, intricate colors of life. Accused of rape, thrown in prison for life. Colors, colors. But behind it all, a masterpiece was emerging a masterpiece for God's glory a masterpiece for a nation that was tottering and in trouble and didn't have any answers and one day Pharaoh got a troubling dream he couldn't understand it and suddenly the butler remembered that Joseph had interpreted his dream Joseph's taken from the lowest moment of life, exalted into the highest moment of life. Everything changes because God, you see, God is in charge of the masterpiece, my friends. God is in charge of the masterpiece of your life. He really is. He really is. And he's before Pharaoh and he gives wisdom and he tells him about the seven years of blessing. He tells him about the seven years of abundance and how to administer it and how to hold it. And then he talks about seven years of famine. And by the end of it all, this is what Pharaoh says about Joseph. Let me read it to you. Genesis 41, 37 to 38 says this. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh. And in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this? A man in whom the Spirit of God is. Pharaoh, in all of his wisdom, in all of his worldly influence, looks at a young man, looks at the canvas of his life after 30 years, and says, we can't find a man like this. There's none like him amongst all of our wise. Who is like this? The Spirit of God in all of his color is in him. And we can see it and we view it. The one that had been spoken about just but 13 years before when his brother said, we'll see what becomes of his dream. We'll see what becomes of this cocky little arrogant runt. Put him in a pit. Let's kill him. Let's, let's uh, kill the colors on that coat. We hate the dream. We hate what he speaks. It, it, it's, it's got no place or no room in our house. And they ejected him. And 13 years later, as he went with God and as he moved down through the, the, the road of life, and God displayed all of the colors in the, all of their variants upon the canvas of his life. At the end of it all, the masterpiece emerged before Pharaoh. And Joseph was sent ahead to become a means of salvation in that land. Aren't you glad that God 
is holding the brush, guiding every stroke of your life. It matters not, my friends, where we are today. It matters not, my friends, what colors are being painted on the canvas of our lives. They may not be colors that we would choose, but I'm telling you now, you're a masterpiece. You're the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's give him thanks. Let's give him thanks and praise for his word. Oh, he's given his word to encourage us today. He's given his word to strengthen us. Hallelujah. You may be here today and you may never have asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior. You may never have given your heart to him. I want to give you a moment right now. Would you pray with me? Would you give me this moment, just this moment, this one moment, the greatest moment in your life? You've been brought to this place. You've been brought to this moment. It may have taken you years to get here this morning, but God has brought you here today to hear this word for your life. And you may have had the, 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 the awful colors of addiction, of abandonment, of betrayal painted across the canvas of your life. Please, my friend, give your life to someone this morning that can make meaning of those colors. Give your life to someone this morning that can rearrange the picture. I'm going to pray right now. And if you would, pray quietly in your heart with me. Repeat these words after me. It's just a simple cry of help to the master of it all, Jesus Christ. Quietly, let's bow our heads and close our eyes for this moment. Say this, Lord Jesus, I ask you today, will you be my savior? Forgive me of my sin. Use all of my sin as you want to use it. For your glory, all of the colors of my past life, make them new in your hand. Make me new. Live in me. I want to live in you. 